Keep on keeping on. <laughs> That's our series, four-part series on Adam. Keep on going in life. Keep on going in the Christian life. How vital that is. Get stuck in a rut. To show you how to get out of it, keep on going. What have we learned so far? We learned in this series, I hope we did, that our strength often comes from waiting on God. Right? Those who renew, those who wait on God will renew their strength. Sometimes you just have to wait. When you feel weary, you need to get away. Get away from the hustle and bustle. Get away from your own thoughts. Sometimes our own thoughts are our worst enemy. Because they put us in a bind. They kind of trap us and we get stuck in our personal opinion. And you know what that does? It rules out the voice of God. So we have to listen to what God has to say. That's how you keep on keeping on. Then we learned after we wait on God, we have to adjust our perspective. Right? What does that mean? It means that we refocus. Look at life. Look at that particular situation in a different way. We saw how Elisha, he prayed that God would open his servant's eyes. And you know what? God did. And what happened? He saw something that he never saw before. It was always there, but he never saw it before. Yeah, I like that one. That was a good one, I thought. That's a happy one. Imagine the things that we have and we don't see that we have them. The resources in God that we have and we don't realize that they're there. You know, the Bible says we're complete in Christ. What does that mean? Everything I need is in me. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You don't need more from God. You got it all. We're going to work it out. Today we move on to another principle. And this is going to help us to keep on keeping on. Because that's what we're talking about. Keep on keeping on. And this is a good one. This is... Sometimes you have to shut the door. Sometimes you have to shut the door and get alone with God. And we have a wonderful example in 2 Kings where we have what I would call a real bad situation. This is not good. Not good. But did you know that even God's people can have a real bad situation? It's true. It's true. Being a follower of Christ doesn't mean we'll never have trials and tribulations, but it does mean we'll have resources, thinking resources, to get us through. So let's go to verse 1, 2 Kings, and it says, Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, she cried out to Elisha, and she said, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant, oh, he feared the Lord. And the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Now, when the Bible says a certain woman, 
It doesn't give her name, but the ancient rabbis believe this was the wife of Obadiah. And when it talks about the sons of the prophets, these were disciples or students of the prophets. See, there was a school for the prophets. And this is where young men cultivated their gift and their calling to be prophets of God. So her husband died. The creditor came. He's knocking at the door. I want my money. The rabbis also tell us who this person was. Jehoram, son of Ahab. Ahab was that wicked king of Israel. Bad dude. And seems like his son followed in his steps. So what happened was, the woman's husband lent money to Obadiah to feed the sons of the prophets because he, Ahab, refused to feed him. He was the king. He was supposed to provide for these people so they could learn their role. And he didn't do it. So he went out and borrowed the money. And she said, oh, they've come for the money and I don't have it. And they're going to take my two children away. See, they were collateral for the loan. Wow. If you made a loan, you could put up your children for collateral. Wow, kids. If you lived 4,000 years ago, your parents could take a loan, put you up for collateral. And if they didn't pay the loan, off you went. (laughs) Good thing that doesn't go on today. Some people probably buy big houses and put up their kids and be like, sorry, I can't pay the bill. Here, take them. (laughs) Not funny. Even in the New Testament, if a man couldn't pay his loan, you know, it talks about the whole family being locked up in debtor's prison. Wow. That's a serious thing. And this was common in all the cultures, the Romans, the Greeks. They all had principles like this. One commentator said, those that leave their families under a load of debt know not what trouble they cause. And it's true. You know, parents should actually leave an inheritance to their children, not debt. God commands it. Parents, make sure you leave an inheritance to your children. Don't saddle them with debt. Leave an inheritance. Help them. That's biblical. So, verse 2, Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in the house. Now, it seems like Elisha, he wants to help her, but he also wants her cooperation. He wants her to be involved in what he's going to do. And that's important. Sometimes we just want everything done for us, and we don't lift a finger to help. So Elisha, he's going to include her, here it comes, in the miracle. He said, tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. That's it. Some oil. Now, some people believe this was an anointing oil for the dead, maybe saving it for her own burial. I would think more likely it was kind of a cooking oil, an olive oil, because it serves many purposes. Okay, it was very needful. But the point is, sometimes the thing God wants to use is the very thing that we neglect or we think has no value or is insignificant. Because what did she say? I have nothing 
except this jar of oil. And it's the what we see sometimes as insignificant, God sees as very significant. Case in point, after Jesse brought all of his sons out to the prophet Samuel to see who would be the next anointed king of Israel, after Saul, Samuel said, hmm, in 1 Samuel 16, 11, he said, Jesse, are these all the children? Because you brought all these boys out and God has not chosen any of them. And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest and he's out tending the sheep. Samuel said, go get him. (laughs) Bring him out here. We're not going to sit down until he gets out here. (laughs) The Good News Bible says, do you have any more sons? Jesse said, well, they're still the youngest, but he's out doing the menial work of taking taking care of the sheep. He was considered insignificant. So, Elisha says to the woman, do you have anything in the house? He's like, no. I got this stupid jar of oil. That's it. That's all I have. What can that do? It's not going to do anything. Feed my family. Pay my debt. So, I ask you, the listener, the question. What about you? Do you need to keep on keeping on? Do you have anything that God can use? You feel like you're stuck and you don't have anything that God can use to get you going? Well, nothing except maybe the indwelling of the Holy Spirit or maybe God's Word in your soul or how about people who love you dearly or a Savior who died for you? How about 3,000 promises from God's Word? How about a daily quiet time with God to encourage you? Oh, a spiritual gift to make your life significant? Privilege to serve God? To get your mind off yourself? You say, no, I don't have anything. That's all I have. (laughs) Isn't that a lot? Isn't that a lot? Doesn't like about every Christian have the indwelling of the Spirit, the Word of God, people who love them, a Savior who died for them, promises from the Scriptures, a time with God for encouragement, and a spiritual gift? Doesn't everybody have that? Can't God use any of those things to help you to keep on keeping on? Or are you all like the woman? No, I don't have anything good, nothing significant. Well, Elijah knew better. In verse 3, he wants to increase her capacity to receive the blessing. He's got a blessing for her. But he wants her to receive it to the max. So he said, Go to your neighbors and borrow as many empty jars as you can. Now, something that I believe is very important and yet so easy to skip over. In verse 4, he said, Then you and your sons go into the house, close the door. Close the door. See, this is between you getting with God. Close the door. And then 
start pouring oil into the jars and set each one aside as soon as it is full. Now, these people were not dealing with the laws of nature. They weren't dealing with human government. They weren't even dealing with the church or the priesthood, not even the prophets. They were dealing with God himself. And don't you think that's something that we need to do, perhaps, more often? Deal with God himself. How many other places do we run to when we could be going to God himself? And sometimes people lean on the church when you could be going to God. Oh, the church is there to help. But sometimes God wants to be the help. So she's going to go and she's going to get all the borrowed vessels and she's going to pour into them from her one little vessel. That little jaw she had that she thought, I don't have anything but this little jaw. This little jaw, what's that going to do? That's nothing. But she took that little jaw and she poured from it. She poured oil into all the jaws that she borrowed. She thought, See, she used something, actually God used something that she considered insignificant. Just like with David. God used someone that Jesse considered insignificant. The youngest of the, of the lot. Young David. God used him. See, God doesn't need big things. God can use little things. You know why? Because God is big. (laughs) Any little thing in the hand of God becomes big. It's true. Remember when Jesus called the attention to the disciples of the widow that put, put two pennies in the offering in the wall of Jerusalem? He said, see that widow? She put in more than all the other people. They put in all kinds of cash. She put in two pennies. And the disciples would be like, two pennies, that's pretty insignificant. What can that do? But once again, it's because she put in more than what the others put in. They put in from their abundance. She put in from her need. You see? How about the little boy with the fish and the bread feeding 5,000 people? Insignificant. Even one of the disciples said, well, there's a lad here. He's got some fish and bread, but what is that with all these people? And Jesus said, bring it over. See, even a little becomes a lot in the hands of God. Everybody has a little. Everybody. It might be a little, 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 but it's little. But when you put it in the hands of God, it becomes big. And I believe that sometimes God will work in secret. Elijah said, listen, I'm not going to get up here and wave my arms and jump up and down. You go in there and you close the door and you get with your sons and with God and you watch it happen. God does work in secret. In Mark 7, Jesus told a deaf guy that he healed, don't tell anybody. That was a secret. In Mark 1, he healed a leper and he said the same thing. Don't tell anyone. In Mark 5, he raised a little girl who died and said the same thing. Keep this in the family. 
We don't need some news reporter over here taking pictures, doing a story. No. And the point is, God does some of his best work in private. If God is in it, that's good enough. So, the question today, do you have enough humility to get along with God, to shut the door, to keep out the world and everything in it, and let God work? You're having a hard time keeping on. Things are mounting up against you. There's a wall in front of you. Yeah, you're stuck in a rut, maybe discouraged, maybe lonely, maybe tired. But do you have enough humility to get along with God? Offer Him what little you've got. And He's given you a lot. I gave you a whole list of things that He's given you. Shut the door and shut out the world and say, God, it's you and me. It's you and me. And you put all these wonderful resources inside of me. I got the filling of the Spirit. I got the indwelling of the Spirit. I've got spiritual gifts. I've got divine power. I've got love. I've got a home in heaven. I've got a Savior who died for me. I got a purpose. So God, I offer these to you and I get, I'm asking now to help me to move on. Move up and move on. So, the woman believed him. Oh, yeah. She went from him and she, I like this lady. She wasn't like, oh, come on, this is dumb. This is a waste of time. Nothing's going to happen. No, she. Be- here it comes. She believed the man of God. Because he was a good one. There's some crazy ones out there. Oh, there's some men of God out there in those days and today. They're nuts. They really are. You gotta find the ones that aren't that nuts. I'm not that nuts. I'm a little nuts, but not that nuts. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, and they were bringing the vessels to her. Oh, and she poured, and she poured, and she poured, and she poured. What a, what a joyful room that must have been. And then when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he said, there's no more. There's no more vessels. And you know what happened? The oil stopped. That was it. It stopped. They ran out. God didn't give her more than she had the capacity for. Whatever capacity she had, that's what God gave her. He didn't give her less, and he didn't give her more. That's why we have to build up our capacity. Build up our capacity, our faith, to receive from God. But you know what happened? She then had enough to pay the debt. Not only pay the debt, to live off of the money that she earned from selling the oil for a long time to come. Oh, what a great ending. She got to keep her kids. She had enough money. Carry her through. Why? She did two things. She offered what little she had to God. This is not a message about giving your money to God. Believe me, it's not. It's about looking at what God has given you in your soul and saying, God, use it. 
use I'm complete in Christ. And maybe I've become dormant. So make it alive in me. And I'm coming to you in faith. That's what this is about. Okay? This is not about, you know, sowing a seed. Oh, you sow your seed and God will give you an abundant harvest. I don't go for that baloney. I don't, that's exploiting people. That's not right. So let's make an application from this. Number one, hard times come even to God's people. It's true. They do. And there are many of God's people in America and all over the world struggling, struggling big time, suffering in many cases. But secondly, what you may have that you think is nothing may be just what God wants to use to help you. And again, you are complete in Christ. You have the riches of Christ in you. You've got it all. You don't need more from God. You need to work out what God has placed in you. Okay? Thirdly, get alone. Shut the door. That means rule out distractions and listen to him. Listen to him. In humility. See, that's the key. Humility says, I'm going to be open to what God says. I'm going to be open to it. And then fourthly, the more you increase your capacity, the more you will receive from him. So Elisha said, go get as many jars as you can because I'm going to fill them up. Well, God's going to fill them up. So we have to create a greater capacity in us. And how do we do that? I believe we do it by building our faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. I think we do it by becoming a servant, developing a servant's heart. By on our life journey, becoming Christ-like. Read the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Matthew 5 is filled with commands by Jesus to help make us like him. Did you know that? If you read through Matthew 5, Jesus says, but I say to you, but I say to you, but I say to you. And these are the things that he wants us to do to become like him. That's how you increase your capacity to have more of God, to, to, to let God utilize you in what you've got. I don't mean to have more of God. You've got them all but to let God utilize what you've got. So in closing, there are times and places where God will make or form a mysterious wall around us. We can't see it, but it's a mysterious wall. And he cuts away ordinary ways of doing things. You know, things that we might expect God to do, he'll do them differently, like he did with this woman. Who would have thought if she go got a bunch of jaws that that one little jaw would fill up all those other jaws? Who would have thought that? It was very unnatural. But it was supernatural. So if you can bring yourself to a place because you're struggling, if you can bring yourself to a place where you can shut the door, shut the door and trust God, it's amazing what he will do in your life. You know, one thing's for sure. God is not a quitter. He's not. He will never quit on you. He will never give up on you. He is always there for you.
But I believe many times he desires our cooperation. Just like when Jesus fed the multitudes, he had the cooperation of the little boy, and he also had the cooperation of the disciples, and he had the cooperation of the people. Because what did he say? Have them sit down in rows of 50. So the people participated, and they all uh, put themselves in an orderly fashion so the disciples could distribute the food, and everybody got, wow, as much as they wanted. So everybody cooperated with Jesus, the little boy, the disciples, and the crowd. Here in our story today, the woman, the widow, and her two sons cooperated with Elisha. And then they submitted themselves to God, and God went to work. So we do have to cooperate with the Word of God. When God says in His Word, do this, we have to do it. It can't be like, oh, I don't want to do that. I did that before. I'm not comfortable doing that. No. God says, you want it to work? This is what we do. And I just read in Matthew 5 today, you know, Jesus talked about, you know, <laughs> one, one time he said, you've heard it was said, love your friends and hate your enemies. And everybody's like, yeah, Jesus, yeah, we love our friends and we hate our enemies. Jesus says, oh, but I say to you, love your enemies. What? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. Wow. See, are you humble enough to submit yourself to the Word of God? If you are, good things will happen. Because good things happen through His Word. Oh, it's a wonder. It's a wonder. And the more we submit to the Word of God and apply it to our lives, the more good things, oh yeah, they're really going to happen. Listen, you can join the Hope Club. You can just listen to our podcast. You can type in the Hope Club podcast online. It'll show up, or you can go to Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, all those places. Also, on our website, newhopecc.tv, you can scroll down a little bit. All our messages are there. It makes great drive time uh, companionship. Listening to the Word of God on the way to work. On the way home, shopping, running around in your car, running errands, doing things. Why not listen to the Word of God and get God's Word in your soul? Oh, how great that would be. So I want to thank you for coming along today. And I will see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.